Welcome everybody to episode 17 of Required Reading, a film podcast. We are so happy to have you joining us. This is a podcast with a little bit of a difference. It's about films, it's like a book club but with films and we are going to be talking through a film in the complete detail it's going to be spoilers we've got contributions from people but before we get into that let me introduce the wonderful the super wonderful uber wonderful dan say hello dan hi alex uber wonderful how kind uber wonderful yeah absolutely um very thankful to have you and everybody else here to discuss a film called under the skin um, available on Amazon Prime, starring Scarlett Johansson. I've uh, now been told I cannot say Johansson. It is definitively Johansson. It's a, oh, it's a hard J. Good, I'm glad you brought that it up a, at the start. It's a hard J, and I thought that we should, you know, at least get the name of the uh, the main actor right. And, yeah, it's Scarlett Johansson. It is a very... Well, going by the feedback that we've had, it's a very divisive film. Really? Um, yeah. Um, although very... Um, I watched it with my wife and thought that definitively there was no way that she was going to like it. Just, you know, Scarlett Johansson movies don't tend to... Since Ghost World, she doesn't tend to like films with her in it um she really didn't like birth which is a film that um jonathan glazer did before and she loved it she thought it was great but uh, yeah what did you think dan what did you think of the film well well, first of all let's mention that for is this the first time that we're not in the same room as each other a podcast not a film podcast no certainly not because obviously this is being recorded in the midst of the the uk coronavirus lockdown Mm-hmm. So we are apart. I miss your musk. We <laughs> we are practicing uh, social distancing. We're practicing safe safe podcasting. Safe podcasting. Always always practice safe podcasting, everybody. And uh, yeah, a little bit remote remote podcasting. But I can see you. You look beautiful. You just took a little sip of a drink. I, I did. It. We're on Zoom. We're on Zoom, like everybody is right now. Yeah, yeah. Zoom is. Um, Zoom seems to be the du jour program. It really, it? really does. So, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to bring that up just in case mm. there was any difference in the dynamic or the audio or anything. It's just, yeah, we're we're trying to we're trying to soldier on with this show, um, yeah. in spite of the circumstances. Uh, and I'm really happy we are because um, I always enjoy these times with you. And I, actually, when I thought, oh, today we're going to be doing the podcast, I got. I got a little bit sad when I realised oh, I'm not actually seeing you in person <laughs> because yeah. I really, I really enjoy hanging out. So anyway, oh, that's nice. There you um, go. But preamble over. Th- th- this film has a real strange quality to it about being out of place, like the actress doing an accent, being an alien, being an English person in Scotland, and that, you know. Uh, I, I think it kind of works, really, that we're not together. We're doing it a little bit differently for this podcast. I don't know why. We Maybe are, we are alienated from each other. Yeah, we are isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so Under the Skin is, yeah, it's 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 quite the film. It's a, a mix of sci-fi, uh, candid camera, commentary on sexual politics. It's, it's uh, mm. commentary on, you know, beauty 
being you know, skin deep, all that, all that, you know, all it's 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 a whole deluge of of, of things. I was I was really blown away by it personally. Um, yeah, I loved it. I I um, it's really 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 stuck with me since since viewing it because it's it's unlike anything i've seen for quite a while um i'd and, and, mm. and yet for some reason it was yet another one of those films that i'd resisted watching i knew enough about it i think um it was first brought to my attention when i was watching the now deceased show film on um on on bbc and the critics were just going absolutely ape shit over it um and for whatever reason i didn't catch it at the time and it's been on my watch list for the longest time and once again this show has provided the the perfect excuse to to get in and watch it and like you i watched it with my wife um she was you know idling away on her phone initially and then maybe what 20 25 minutes in the phone was down and she was she was um you know all all attention was was on the film and um yeah, I think she found it quite affecting, and I think it ruined her night's sleep. To be well, honest. it it has a strange quality to it, and I don't know whether I'm going to put it firmly at this door, but directors and because it happened a lot, but directors that did music videos as their, you know, their almost their like film university to yeah. get known, and, and it their films tend to have a quality to them that I can't really massively define, but obviously it's very visual because they're used to making uh they're used to making films that are they're not going to control the audio effectively so it needs to be interesting and i think that that really shines through in this i think you could almost you could get a lot out of it with um out hearing any dialogue i think you could kind of get quite a lot from it um I don't know whether I'm remembering it right, but the the chap right at the end, the um, in the woods, the conversation that he has with her feels like the longest conversation in the whole film. There really isn't that much uh, back and forth or anyone really saying anything for any length of time. Um, so it works on one level. Just it is beautiful. I think it looks amazing. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Um, and we'll get on to it in a little bit. I've had a, a, a strange sort of relationship, film relationship with her, like liking what she brings to a movie and then kind of felt that she brought pretty much the same energy to nearly every role that she did. It seems as though it was playing it a little safe. But then um, Vic reminded me of Ghost World about how much I really loved her performance in Ghost World and... and I don't know whether this feels connected to it, but I think it's very telling that this film came out the same year as her. So yes. she was really um, reinventing what it is that she could do and or maybe just people were taking more of a chance with her. Like, um, that her voice is incredible. It is when she uses it. And obviously her is a completely... Um, Vocal sort of, performance, yeah. Voice, so. Yeah, yeah, and um, also directed is, by a ex music video director as well, or still mm, directs music yeah, videos. Yeah, absolutely. I feel this one is almost the it's a kind of non um, voice performance. She's she's almost silent throughout the film, but she's brilliant. She's so good. Really holds the um, really holds the attention, and 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 I really loved it. But um, let let let's go to our first um, contribution. Uh, this is from Iskra, who um, didn't have a great time with it. 
she said, I started watching Under the Skin last week. I had to stop the film after some 30, 40 minutes as I didn't want to waste my time. It's much worse than The Horse Girl, which is the last film that we covered, if you didn't listen to it. I didn't understand it, and in fact, I don't even want to understand it. Who is the idiot that wasted time and money to make this film? My rating is minus five stars. So um, I wanted to put that one up front and center because i don't know whether this film is does not have a broad appeal like let's be honest it doesn't have a you know you're not going to put this on and loads of people are going to say this is this is incredible i think you have to be a certain you have to give it a lot of bandwidth you have to fill in a lot of gaps there's not a lot told to you and really the alien side to it the sci-fi-ness of it is only really confirmed fully maybe right at the start and right at the end or unless you have read the book or unless you um have read about the film or what the film is trying to tell you i don't think it really lays out the alienness to it apart from the the scenes um that bookend the film um like how did you feel about that how did you feel about how sci-fi it was do you think it was a kind of play by the rules or how did you get on with it? Of a fashion, it felt in many ways like a spiritual successor of, to the you know the man who fell to earth. This idea of you know somebody who initially is disguised as a human, but eventually comes to become fascinated by by human behavior and then starts to crave humanity and wants to become human. Um, I think the sci-fi elements were there throughout, but but very much underplayed you know every time um she brought another victim back to the house um and you got an increasing insight into what the process was uh with these men who were under her thrall and then dissolved into this inky blackness and what you know the the horrific uh process that occurs once they once they're submerged in it as well, which is just an incredible scene. Just that, such a fantastic. I, don't, I still don't know how they managed. Brilliant, that. isn't it? I mean, the, the those scenes are completely indelible now. Like they they really work. And obviously, the elephant in the room is that it was totally ripped off for um, for Stranger Things. Yes, I think the um, upside down. Um, scenes with um 11 where the reflective black scene i I mean this is that's a real rip i think like cannot be you know cannot be let to get away and and i did actually read that as a kind of a spoiler that it had really influenced it but i think it yeah i mean that's that's not even they're not even trying to hide it are they it's exactly the same so i mean from from what i could from what i could gather they they really were just going through a meat grinder but a very Hmm alien meat grinder and one thing i always love in sci-fi is when they really push the boat out in terms of what alien is um because so often they're so lazy and so close to what humans do but whereas this is just so uh, so nuts and so otherworldly in terms of what's happening it's like they're sending they're vacuuming people's insides out through some weird liquid and then sending them down a weird conveyor belt into another dimension <laughs> so people can feast on their their guts. It's it's awesome. It's horrific. And it's just such a stunning visual. Um, yeah. And also accompanied by, which I'm sure we'll di- discuss in more detail later, just some fantastic sound design as well. The closest 
real life analog I can I can think of is have you ever tried wearing hearing aids? Oh no, I haven't. So my 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 wife is hard of hearing and has um prescription hearing aids and I wanted she doesn't like them because of the way they amplify noises because she's only got she can only uh, she's only deaf in sort of like a mid-range so she can hear top range and hear mm. low range in this mid-range like consonants and things of what's hard for her to make out so when you put them on they're, they're still amplifying the things that you you can hear really well which means that everyday things like just brushing against the material and things like that are amplified to the point of sounding really strange robotic and artificial and that first moment where she, you know she's adjusting and you can and everything just sounds wrong so it just sounds like slight, yeah. slightly blown out and then and then that's the same as when the, the guy is is submerged and has that really strange experience where he can basically hear every bone in his body and everything happening it's it's like that it's like being hyper hyper aware yeah. of everything um it also plays out really well when she bumps into that hen party or they just all the girls on the night out, and she's just overwhelmed. It's like a sensory overload for her because of the way that she experiences sound. Isn't it brilliant? I mean, uh, she's she's discovering what it means to be around people, what it is to talk to people, what it is to entice people, um, what it is to desire or make someone desire you. Um, I think it's really interesting the the start of the film she's driving around in this van it's very well put together what she looks like she's very attractive but I feel that her clothes are a really um a, a real choice she obviously she the start of the film is the girl being taken by the man on the, the motorbike she is naked and taking her clothes and the girl looks very similar to her doesn't she it's not mm -hmm. exactly her I didn't think it was exactly her but she obviously siphons off the look from her um, in a really brilliant scene that obviously makes a lot more sense as the film goes on um, but yeah just her discovery of what is intriguing her about humanity and the world around her like really really like works so well for me and obviously the counterpoint of being a predator drawing these people in and what happens at the end with the man that tries to rape her you know the, the real counterpoint of you know the selfishness of trying to dominate somebody physically and what they're getting from that i i found so interesting like the the film really works and comes full circle in such a great way um but i have a, a another bit of input where which goes asks us kind of a few questions if i go into it so we can kind of go through the film and uh, and kind of say where we where we were at with what we thought wonderful uh, melly mel love at melly mel love from Instagram. Loves right. a question. Um, loves a question. Yeah, loves a question. Um, she says, I honestly couldn't wait for this film to finish. But um, she then kind of goes through and seems to like it. So I'm quite interested. <laughs> uh, the guy on the motorbike at the start, was he the same man at the bus stop towards the end and in the forest scene at the end? Lots of motorbikes speeding down the road. Are the motorbikes her spaceship controllers? <laughs> um, I thought this is quite interesting. Those guys seem to be, they seem to be some kind of, symbiotes being don't they they seem connected to um scarlett johansson yeah she's 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 effectively an agent of them so mm. they they create them to seduce the people to bring meat to the grinder um mm. and and that's their their role like you, you they establish at the start when he picks up the body from the bushes 
uh, and puts them in the van. And I think either they've got a sense for that already, but yeah, they do seem to have uh, an unspoken or a psychic connection where they know when things are amiss. And there's another scene when she returns with with someone and then he basically checks her over um, mm. and he, he looks into her eyes. And I think it's to see that, you know, if basically humanity is bleeding into her and if she's still, if she's still on, on mission, you know, and if she's, because, yeah. you know, is she, is she becoming a soft touch? Is she is she becoming mm. too sympathetic to them, and will she stop doing what she's supposed to do? Which of course she does. Um, yeah, but but yeah. So the but the biking scenes were basically that she, she was trying to escape into the highlands because it was remote, and she thought she could get away from them. Um, mm. But you know, and and that was just that sort of pursuit of her and trying to get to to her in time, assuming assu- assuming it's a her at all. Mel asks, "What happened to the fur coat? She seemed different without it, almost like she lost her confidence." And I think that is a really key part of the film, isn't it? The 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 mechanisms of what she's doing that she's attracting people in and doing this thing. She definitely tries to shed that, doesn't she? When she um when she finds the other chap, the mm-hmm. uh, the the guy, and has the the weird the mini relationship with him doesn't she goes back to his flat and uh, yeah they start to um get intimate and she really starts to discover what it is to be with somebody else and you know what the hell is happening it's a really brilliant scene that she discovers the music of deacon blue and if you know <laughs> if anything can awaken you to humanity yeah it's tommy it's, a, it's, it's tommy deacon cooper blue. and tommy cooper and deacon blue i know That's, i mean i mean the, the joking aside i mean the, those are the elements of the film that i really like because it's so recognizable for the for the British audience especially to see a high street you know a sci-fi film that has like BHS in it and TJ using in the background and then mm. Deacon Blue playing and bits of Tommy Cooper on the thing it's 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 such a contrast it's such a, a sharp contrast and and I just think that's why Scarlett Johansson's casting and the fact that she agreed to do the film is is just absolutely genius and the way that she was able to largely move around Glasgow undetected pretty much by all these blokes and stuff that she's, you know, improv, improv um, flirting with effectively in her strange alien way. Um, that, that's part of what really struck a chord with me. It was just like, I'm so glad mm. that they haven't really gone for this crazy fantastical element. This is really like the mundane and and w- what aliens would actually encounter were they to come to Earth. We, we often see these you know hyped up versions we see the independence days and or we see the far-flung future and things that are unrecognizable and alien to us um in terms of society and culture so to see something so played in such a down-to-earth manner was absolutely was absolutely revelatory for me Mm, yeah it was it was it was really brilliant as you say i'm glad you said that this film really has stuck with me um since then but um let's go to another review um this is from james buttress he is our regular reader uh, thank you very much james um i enjoyed certain elements within this film scarlett johansson's performance is absolutely stunning despite not having much to say her physicality is assured and striking and her screen presence is utterly magnetic it says something that for all the mystery and missing context in under the skin i didn't once question what she was doing or her motivations in many ways, the fantastic score mirrored Scarlett Johansson's performance. Austere, powerful, striking, haunting, repetitive. Every time that percussive loop fired up, you knew someone was in trouble. <laughs> Maybe even about to be sausage cased, which was my very favourite bit of the film. It's a Mika Levy 
continues to be one of the most exciting composers working today. Uh, sorry if I haven't said that correctly. Um, I like the ending. I can appreciate the ambition in trying to tell a story in a different way, but didn't really enjoy it. I didn't like some of the sexual politics of the film. Some of the lingering cinematography outstayed its welcome. I didn't like the biker handler character and thought it was a little repetitive. I can appreciate not being spoon-fed the plot, but maybe a little canapé here and there, Mr. Glazer. In the end, I think it felt more like an art installation than a movie. I like that it's film that this film exists, and I think that's about as emphatic as I can be. It's, it's it's a really interesting take, and I think probably this does come down to whether you're up for watching an art installation as a film, or you know you you need something to be a, a little more you know a more plot and more action, or, or you know, not necessarily action, but this really does feel like an art installation film to me, and it really it really struck a chord with me. But like all art, I truly believe that it, it, it its value is you come to it and then you leave it, and if in that process in the middle you feel a little bit different, then it it qualifies it it works really well and I, I definitely feel changed by having watched this film especially as you say it's been on a lot of it was been on my watch list for years since mm. it came out I knew it was very good I really loved the artwork even the front cover of it I was it, and, and the right people said it was amazing so I felt almost fine with you know filing it away and going I know I'm gonna like this film so that's fine I can do it and then on and on and on and I would say probably her performances in Marvel films probably did make me not want to go to it I think that's that's to do with my own personal journey with her obviously since she recorded this film she's become a megastar like really really big probably one of the biggest actresses in the world now uh, by virtue of her work with Black Widow and as we sit here now um, Black Widow has been pushed back yeah. I believe I'm not really sure what the idea is with it I think I may be misremembering but I think maybe some of the story has something to do with um, uh, like germ warfare and some some part of it so I think they were really worried or maybe trying to edit it so it feels like people have been really clamoring for her to have her own film for her to have her own a Marvel movie like there's been so many you know she's such a major character in in the Avengers that now this has come round and it feels like why is it her movie that has to be the one that is the one that's put back not like there's been three Iron Man films why can't it be one of them or you know however many four Captain America films so I, I, I kind of really feel for her and then I'm watching this film and going <laughs> yes under the skin was seen as a great film but i don't think it really broke through or it wasn't like you know whacking phoenix level adoration for how this film went but i think she really hits those highs here i think she really really takes uh, femininity and sexuality and just just what it is to be an actress today in a movie and really really plays with it well yeah i mean she 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 her character her, her her the alien turns it on you know that's that's that that's acting you mm. know that that's what she does her character spends most of the time mm. 
actually acting in in situ and that, and and also it's a, it's a testament to her performance that for pretty much the first half of the film she is dealing with real members of the general public and yeah, and yeah, walking it, among them and and you know you can tell from her expressions that she she turns on the charm flicks back and immediately blanks out again she's got these sort of lines and she realizes that most of the blokes she she pulls are because she doesn't have to try very hard she just has to be attractive throw a few flirty lines their way and they're like yeah i'll go into your dark room in a tatty old house and be sausage cased as james so eloquently put it (laughs) um (laughs) um but yeah, it was wonderful. I wonder if she had to learn to drive a van. That was that. That's one of the uh, interesting things I pondered while watching the film. Right? <laughs> did she have to drive? Did you? Did she already know? Did she already know how to drive a van, or did she learn it for the role? Um, well, let's get a little bit of insight into the book. Actually, we've got a contribution from uh, Karina, who we'll know quite well. Sheikah Boom on um, oh, Karina Instagram Abbott. and Twitter. Cool. Yeah. Um. She she did some contributions for us thank you very much and she has also um, hilariously replicated an, a shot of this film in animal crossing so she says uh, the book is unique and hard to label under one genre in my opinion it's dystopian horror and sci-fi all rolled into one if you enjoyed the film i highly recommend giving it a read not only is it from another perspective since it's narrated by inner dialogue of the main character she's called Isali for those interested but it's also much more emotional The themes of otherness, compassion, loneliness and mercy are much more at the forefront and you'll also learn a lot more about Italy. I currently live in Glasgow, so re-watching the film was a strange experience. It felt like I was looking at familiar places with a different lens. I did enjoy how the kindness and humour of the Scottish people came through still, especially since it was filmed in some fairly deprived areas of the city. Thank you very much for that, Karina. That was great. Good, good That's uh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, I have done personally. Um, I've driven all over this this fair lands. Um, doing sort of deliveries back in my uh, in my early in- incarnation of my job, and I always loved doing any jobs in Glasgow. I've always really, really always jumped at those jobs whenever they whenever they've come around um and my sister actually had a um a b&b not far from glasgow about uh, maybe 40 miles north north of it so i've got a real love 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 relationship with glasgow it's um i like how it's connect it's interconnectivity with edinburgh it, it edinburgh is kind of this this place that everyone thinks of but glasgow is like very it's got this authenticity to it that just it, it's really hard to explain i love it have you have you it gets it gets it, it gets a bad rap mm. i was about to say that i've been to glasgow once under strange circumstances right uh those being that my mom back in the late 80s won an episode of wheel of fortune ah. when nikki campbell was still presenting it and um she won a car she won a fiat panda <laughs> a horrible little red fiat panda it was shit but to get the car, we we had to go to Glasgow to collect the car. What? So that's the yeah. <laughs> so we had to drive from Wolverhampton to I think it was like my mum's boyfriend at the time. It's a drivers to Glasgow mm. to to pick up the car, and we spent like a day there. But I was only about nine or ten years old. But yeah, we, that's that's my Glasgow experience. Excellent. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's um. It's. 
it's a really great place, home to my favorite, one of my favorite bands. So I've always got that 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 to it as well, Mogwai. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a great place. It's got this you know particular accent. Um, even though it's really not that far from Edinburgh, it's very distinct, and it's um yeah, it's it's just got a real uh yeah, it's just got just such a cool energy to it, and could definitely um could definitely live there if uh if the opportunity mm. presented itself. It's um yeah, and and it's a real character in in this film, and then go, going into the um going into the the woods and out out from it, 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 it doesn't take you long to get there. Um, to to get to these sort of beautiful rolling hills, it, it's like a twenty thirty mile car trip until you get there. So it's um, yeah, it's, there's this real dichotomy of of uh, it makes it makes the Highlands look like exactly as they are. I think, which is beautiful but also unforgiving. Um, mm. And fucking freezing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, let's get into the score. I think the score was a real. I mean, I've thought about this quite a lot. You know, and talked about it quite a lot. The idea of how a score can underpin a film in such a way. Obviously, I, you know, I, you know, I, I write music and always, you know, write the music for the the start and end parts of of all these podcasts and try and for it to have a you know a relative relationship with the film itself. Um, and the way that you can affect mood in such a great way. I recently was lucky enough to go to um, to New York to the um, the film museum there, and they actually have this um, this section where you can rescore uh, parts from famous movies. You oh can it had like Casino and Ghostbusters and these scenes and the music that they chose, and then you've got these four other choices to go over it. And uh, I had my kids sit down sit down and do it and. Um, yeah, it is. It is really amazing. It was something that I did when I went to film school. That you try and rescore a part of it and um, see how you can affect people's moods and and everything. And um, and one of my uh, one of my experiments is to try and take a film and rescore it. You know, just uh, just write my own music over the top of it. So I really love it. But this one here is perfect I, I just i cannot imagine anything else uh, james uh, talks about it in his his review when that music does come on it's almost a character isn't it like um it, you know something bad is going to happen and again talking about its um influence on films that have come later I really feel this is quite a big influence on Annihilation on the on the score for that oh, film. Oh yeah, um, especially the film, the the scene at the end of Annihilation with the uh, Natalie Portman scene with with the alien, which yes, by the way yeah. looks like the aliens in this film, um, and the music in that section is very similar to the score, and I'm sure that. Um, that, uh, that Jeff Barrow wouldn't wouldn't deny the influence of this film on that film, um, but uh, yeah, isn't it, it really the echoes of it really really came to the fore. Yeah, it's it's absolutely integral to the to the fabric of the entire film. It's it's a combination of like you say, having those signatures throughout that that sort of signpost bad juju and whatever else but combined <laughs> combined with that that sort of stunning um disorientating sound design that that runs through it as well which just it, which just it, it all serves to do such a good job of making things that you observe on a daily basis 
also seem strange and foreign to you. <laughs> it really does a great job of putting you in in her headspace, yeah, um, and just and just emphasizing like how strange the behavior and the and the customs and and you know just society at large is when you when you sort of step outside that the bubble a little bit and look on the inside and go aren't humans fucking weird you're almost looking at it in in certain elements like a bit of a planet earth documentary oh my god yeah that, that, yeah what what a great point it's it treats us like livestock doesn't it it treats us like something that being studied and uh, and disregarded and respected and eventually loved um which brings me to a real key scene in the film um a problem with leaving a film on the shelf and knowing that so many people that you respect have seen it you see things like on twitter or you see references to it um and as a i've heard this film referred to as the um with particular reference to the beach scene so oh goodness um, me obviously the um when uh italy as we can call her now thank you karina um is stalking these men she finds this guy that is surfing and then sees this scene of uh it's it's a lady going into the sea to retrieve a dog right and i think that i got that right and another guy trying to go in to help her and the guy that she's tracking it goes in and then she kills him but there's a young boy it's an 18 months i think we find out from a news report is there on the beach and the anxiety i saw in vic sitting next to me obviously just really tensing up and just so worried about the baby and you think something's going to happen and it's a little bit of a weird one because when I heard people referring to it, I thought that something ha- happened to the, to the kid, and I mean, obviously, it does in a way. You know, we, I think you assume that the the motorbike guys come and kind of clean up whatever happens, and maybe something, you know, maybe something did happen. But yeah, I think he's. Really I does... think he's actually. I think what's more shocking, actually, and it's there's a couple of instances of this behavior in the film, which is mm. where you're trying to apply human behavior to their behavior, and so. In this instance, it's the 18-month-old um, sat on the beach crying, confused, mm. and I don't know how they triggered that response, mind you, with an 18-month-old. All you have to do is probably sit them on a beach and you'll just get that response anyway. Yeah. But it's harrowing. Like Again, my, my wife also was just like, I, she's, at the end of that scene, she just said, I wish I had never seen that. Mm. Was yeah, her exact it's... response? I wish I had never seen that because the whole thing... Initially, she thought it was the guy's daughter. I think it was his wife that he was struggling to... Mm to get in the sea and he you know the other guy was trying to restrain him and stop it from happening and you know it was it was just horrible then you had the screaming child throughout it but when the biker then goes to do the the cleanup operation he takes all the clothes and the evidence but mm. he knows that the child's going to be washed up washed away at some point when the tide comes in so you think oh he's walking up to do something with the child either take the child away or remove the child or something even more callously i would say he just leaves the kid yeah. to die yeah it's 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 really amazing and um it, yeah so sorry what i was gonna say is the second instance is the scene i mentioned earlier when he does the checkup um mm. on her and he's like looking at her very intimately and yeah. really gets up close and at one point he leans in and you think he's going to like plant a little kiss on her or something and it's like no 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 he's just doing an inspection 
Mm. It's like a factory inspection is what he's doing effectively and nothing more than that. So it does really toy with your um, with your uh, your expectations and your perceptions of, of rational human behavior. And then you, you've always got to remind yourself, no, these are strange alien sausages. These are people. strange, yeah. These are strange alien scouts, hunters, yes. um, you know, harvesting machines uh, that are doing something to us. It's, yeah, it's, it's so it's cool. It's great. great. It's, yeah, great it's gross. <laughs> right, so Dan, yes, our, our uh, mo is to do a little uh, mid-discussion quiz. Uh, you fancy doing yours now? Sure, let's go yeah. for it. Hit me up. Okay, so this is an alien quiz. I am going to give you the name of an alien. Okay. And you need to give me the film or series they come from. There are okay. as usual. And uh, <laughs> make sure uh, make sure you keep your score as usual. We'll start off easy. The Xenomorph. Alien. A alien series, correct. That is number one. Uh, number two is um, Zamis. Zamis. Uh, and he is a drac. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. It's easy if you know them. Yeah, a drac. Yeah. Uh, any other clues? Um, the film stars Dennis Quaid. Oh, is it The Enemy Mine? It is Enemy Mine. You can have half a point for Enemy that Mine. One. Yeah, yeah. Thank well you. Well done. Very good. Um, number three, um, Klaatu. Oh, the day the earth stood still. It is very good. Uh, number four, um, mimics. Mimics. Mm. Um, it's, it's it's not. Is that what they're called? Is it like? The, is it's not the body snatchers or something? Is it? No. Nope. Okay. Although mimics. that does make sense. Yeah. Um, and it's not the film Mimic. No. <laughs> <laughs> mimics. Any other clues? You want you would like a clue for half a point. Yeah. Um it is starring Thomas Cruise. Oh, Oblivion. Uh no. No, is it not, not is it Edge of, is it Edge of Tomorrow? It is Edge of Tomorrow. Or um the Live the, Die the, Repeat. All you need is Kill, which was the original title, which is the best mm. title. Which is the best title. But yeah, so half a point for that one. Um number five is um Arachnids. Or bugs. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Well done. Um, a little bit harder. Number six. Um, Antarians. Oh, I do know this. Um, go on, give me a clue. Starring Steve Goodenberg. Oh, Cocoon. Yeah. Half a point for that one. What's that mean? Five, I think that puts me on. It does. Uh, the uh, there are three aliens here: uh, Mac, Zebo, or Whiplock. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, Zebo, or Whiplock. Oh, is it Earth Girls Are Easy? It is. Well done. Well well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a full point and a proud full point there. Well, thank done. you very much. Um, the uh, this film features the Trimaxian drone ship. From Phalon. Um That sounds like something from Battlefield Earth or something. Um, no, go on, give me a clue. Um, starring Paul Rubens. What? 
Is it a Pee Wee <laughs> film? No. <laughs> Uh, what is it? A, is it an animated film or a no? Jesus. Um, Paul Rubens does provide the voice. Oh right. Uh, no, I'll pass on that one. It is um, Flight of the Navigator. Oh no! Film. Yes. I love that film. It's a great film. I haven't seen it for years though. It's very good. Very good. Oh. Um, okay, so number nine, The Tet. Oh fucking hell! That I know as well. The Tet. It's not Stargate, is it? Nope. Oh, fuck it. Uh, give me a clue. Starring Thomas Cruise. <laughs> is that Oblivion? It is. It is. Well done. Half a point. What, what, what does that give me? Six? It Five does. And, a half? Uh, um, and uh, finally, um, Sill. Sill, the name of an alien. Sill is the name of the alien. The alien. Clue. I'm terrible at names like this. Well, the child version of this was um, played by Michelle Williams. The child version? Yes. If I is tell you the older version. Is it Species or it something? It is Species. Well oh, done. You, say, you say Natasha Hentridge. Hentridge yeah, yeah, yeah. You would uh, know yeah. that immediately. It's the only film she's really been in. But uh, I, yeah, well done. Half, half good. Is it six and a half? Six and a half ish, yeah. Six and a half, it's good. Six and a half is good. And, I'm happy uh, with. Pretty... I'm happy with the Earth Girls are easy one like that. After that, I was like, <laughs> everything else is a bonus. No, no, you, you did good. You did good. That was not too bad. Antarians is is a difficult one. Mm. Um, right. So as is um, as is our uh, other mo after a quiz, we go to Chris Schilling to uh, to give his review. Thank you very much for contributing as always. Um, under the skin then I remain as pleasantly bewildered and disturbed by it as I was the first time I saw it it's still unlike anything else I've ever seen in places it's like a social realist drama at others it's pure art house indulgence it's a serial killer thriller with moments of fish out of water comedy and coming of age fable and at its heart it's got this impressively fearless performance from Scarlett Johansson who is perfectly cast she'd feel alien in that place even if she wasn't from another planet michael levy's hauntingly weird score is the other mvp making the more mundane moments feel incredibly unsettling and that scene on the beach is still one of the most horrifying things i've ever seen <laughs> the total emotional detachment makes it all the more powerful it's not a film i love but it's one i'm sure i'll keep returning to in years to come whenever i'm in the mood to be freaked out and slightly baffled all over again <laughs> excellent, excellent. On the same on the same wavelength as always, it's almost like we share the same brain. We do share um, the same brain. The, the the social realism angle is very interesting. In an interview I read with Jonathan Glazer a while ago, he said um, when he was adapting it, so, well, I mean, there's a few bit of interesting bits of trivia tidbits that came out of the interview. One of which that he was developing it for about well, t- I think it took ten years for it to actually come to fruition. Mm. Um, and when he was adapting the book and doing a much more literal adaptation of it at one point it was about a couple of aliens pretending to be a couple on a farm in scotland uh, and brad pitt was attached to start oh wow yeah yeah and then sure. and then he and then he was a bit like no this, none of this is right and he he took he took the script and he stripped out all the bits that were about the male alien and just kept it from the the inverted commas female aliens standpoint perspective mm. 
Um, and, and yeah, and that was it, and basically stripped it all the way back. And then the, the sort of social realism aspects came out of that. Well, how do we truly depict someone as, as alien, which, which does a great job? And then he said he was actually tempted to keep the way that the first half of the film worked as, as the film effectively, the whole film would just be her driving around Glasgow, having these interactions and these strange moments, which in a way I would have gladly watched. <laughs> it was, it, it, there was, there was quite a, a shift when she escaped the city in, in, in terms of what the film became at that point. Um, you know, the, the more naturalistic elements of it slipped away and it became in, in some ways more conventional a story you know as conventional as, as this film gets i guess but felt more of a structured scripted film as opposed to the first half which felt like they'd taken lots and lots of footage and had to really pare it down into you know the essential interactions those essential moments mm. uh, that, that that she had with these people yeah, it it really shifts tonally, doesn't it? The, the that that first half of it really could be could be a music video. You almost don't have, you could just have a little bit of dialogue, couldn't you? But it it you understand what's happening. It it does that loop quite a few times, and it, it it's almost a trope, isn't it? Of um of horror films, you see that happen. In in fact, Species, which came way before, has a has a similar. Um, sort of trope to it doesn't it where she needs to find guys and lure them back and then that's yeah. that's how she survives um it is it is a, it is art house species really <laughs> and it. and then later when it moves on when she obviously has fallen in love with you know humanity and what it can be and understanding what she has sort of taken on it it does shift and then with the attack at the end with the you know the attempted rape by the guy at the end i, I don't know whether she feels what well, she seems to be holding on to the skin of her character quite literally in a lot of ways and i i thought it maybe it was to do with that what she was doing was helping her disguise in a way that when she started to maybe when she wasn't killing guys as regularly it, she was finding it a little harder and the mask was slipping slightly and that's where the um problem with her eye happened and the guy had to come and check her out i sort of thought that was you know part of it was being powered by the guys that she was that she was sending underneath yes. the um the the black stuff and uh, yeah later on it's it's her falling in love with humanity that finally pulls that apart she can't do it anymore she you know like a vampire falling in love with with humans you know suddenly decides oh well this you know this isn't going to work out you know it's uh yeah it, but it's also it, what's interesting is the fear she displays as well because obviously mm. she's she's predatory at that point and then when this guy wakes her up you know while trying to fondle her while she's asleep in that cabin mm. um she she's almost fully human at that point her reaction yeah. to the situation is 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 fully human mm. um weirdly because it turns out well from what i could gather from the scene when she is attempting to make love with the, the bloke the kindly bloke who helps her on the bus she's she's basically built like a barbie doll it's it's all it's all surface and mm. she's all very alien components still where where you know down yeah. below i don't know why i'm suddenly being all fusty about it you don't have um, to be she has she has no functional vagina there you go said it like an adult and so <laughs> at the point that she there's the attempted rape 
in theory, she shouldn't as a, as an alien. I don't mean as a person. She she shouldn't have anything to fear, really. Mm. Um, and it, it it's strange that in, the way that she's built in terms of being this sort of seduction machine that's designed to lure them in, that she has no other mechanism. And and almost as soon as she, it, it is slightly heavy-handed in a way that in almost as soon as she learns to love and appreciate humanity, she's immediately shown the dark side of it, mm. and is then and is then covered in petrol and set on fire. Um, <laughs> it's 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 quite a it's quite a brutal and and sudden shift in power dynamic, isn't it? And welcome, it's like is this. Welcome to Earth. Is like is, <laughs> is is this what it means to be to actually be a human woman on on Earth alone and vulnerable? Well, it, it's it's her um it's her interaction with um is it Adam Adam Person um, Adam Pearson yeah Adam um, Person yeah that um, yes that, that seems to turn that seems to turn her view of humanity. She definitely starts to starts to change her her way and um it's his character the only one that gets away i believe that um she well one one he's he's sort of he he doesn't fully fall under her spell so when mm. he goes into the house he's aware of the house and when he's in the room he talks and he's, mm. he's sort of semi-conscious but She's. I think she's already formulated a plan to not get him in there because doesn't don't they walk past the biker and she sort of says like ignore him or something. Yeah. Um. And so it's almost like she needs to play her bit and then kind of get him out because he he goes in and she clearly extracts him or does whatever. You don't see that part, hmm. and it's actually quite. It's really sad and tragic that you know he's made to do this runner starkers at night mm. across the thing and just as he gets there he gets he gets fucking scatman carothers as i call it you know and basically just clubbed <laughs> over the head and lobbed in a boot while a classic old probable tory neighbor looks through a window and just goes all right that's happening then makes no attempt to raise alarm yeah <laughs> just sort of watches it watches it play out now i'm going to segue from that because in an unprecedented first for this podcast we actually have a contribution from someone who was in the film. Ah, amazing. That being Adam Adam Pearson. Ah, fantastic. Um, so funnily enough, um I'm also something of a a bit of a lapse, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a casual wrestling fan these days. But I went to an event for um New Japan Pro Wrestling a few about a year ago now, I think it was, maybe maybe just under. Mm. And um and and he was there. He was he was chatting to a, a, a friend of mine and I and I got chatting to him and he's he's a lovely bloke and at the time I had no idea that he was not only obviously the starring in, in this film, but was also um he'd hosted he's he's presented it and, you know, created his own documentaries for BBC Three. Um, he's been in um, another film fairly recently as well. Uh, it was 2000, yeah, it was last year, um, Chained for Life, which has got um, some fantastic reviews as well. Um, and he's also doing things like he's also works behind the scenes on the show The Undateables uh, and also on all sorts of things. And so I'm sure you won't mind me saying, but his... Um, his 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 condition is known as neurofibromatosis. He's a, he's actually a, a twin, um, and his brother 
has the condition, but it affects him in different ways. So it's effectively a, a, a benign tumors. He he basically bumped his head when he was really young, and and it, it persisted and grew instead. So basically, nerve tissue it causes the body to react to it in a in a way that mm. it, it shouldn't effectively. And so his face is is now covered in in these tumors and so obviously throughout his life he's he's um, been a victim of, of bullying at school and all all these sorts of things um but it has come out the other side of it just like having this in- incredible career he I, I believe he won an episode of celebrity mastermind as well so wow. you know he's a man of man of many many talents and so i i, I dm'd him on twitter um, a couple of days back and just said you know i saw the film i completely forgot you were in it until you appeared from under that hood and I was like holy shit adam's in the film um would you be able to tell us a little bit about your experience of shooting it and how you got involved in it and and good man that he is he um he got back to me with a with a, uh, a series of responses to some questions I sent. So if you will indulge me, I will. Uh, so so the first thing I asked him was how he got involved in the film and and how much context he was given when he shot his scenes. Because I can imagine that being that the film was fairly loosely scripted and structured, that I guess somebody coming in and appearing in like five minutes of the film wouldn't necessarily have a full idea of what the the the, the structure and the, the you know the the body of the film was going to be like so um he, so that he said that um i was sent a very vague casting call and threw my name into the ring so to speak having had no acting experience i thought this would all consist of a few short conversations and finally a thanks but no thanks result uh regarding context i'd done some digging and found out the director's name and the name of the film and therefore the book it's loosely based on uh subsequently i learned the book cover to cover only to later discover just how loosely the film was based upon the book <laughs> <laughs> um so um and then i said so what what was his experience of working with with scarlett johansson and and jonathan glazer uh, and how scripted his conversation with scarlett was in the van um he said both John- jonathan and scarlett were a joy to work with and are still very much friends of mine uh, as a business graduate i'd written papers on jonathan's work in advertising so i was actually more starstruck by him than scarlett um this was my first acting role, uh, and they both knew that, so they were, they were just incredibly kind and patient with me, letting me learn by doing and offering constructive feedback. Uh, as an actor, you can only perform at a high level if you are surrounded by brilliant people. I was surrounded by brilliant people. And he was brilliant. Um, he was really, really great in it. He was fantastic. I mean, he, I think he, he's he got the line of the film, which was like, this isn't Tesco's, is it? <laughs> which is just, fan, just fantastic. And I, I think that's the, the sort of... Um, humor mm. uh you know chris chris um sort of said that there, there are moments of dark humor in it as well and i think that was certainly certainly one of them um i then asked him to tell us about the swimming scenes and where they were shot and how those scenes were actually achieved you know in the in the in the blackness uh he said the swimming scene ah that scene we shot them in elstree a few weeks after we had wrapped them in glasgow it's an incredibly technical piece of cinematography, and as a nerd for that kind of shit, I was in awe. The whole thing is shot on a black marble floor with a tank of tar-like substance in the corner. Sitting just under the surface of the tank is a grate and hydraulics. As you walk forward, the grate lowers and creates the illusion that you are sinking into the floor. The actual liquid was so thick, we all had diving weights around our ankles to stop us floating. There Amazing. That's great. There you go. Um... 
I then said that his that his character has a profound impact on the woman. Uh, with your experience, and, and then I asked him with with his experiences of bullying and the stigma attached to physical disfigurement in general. Did he feel that his role and that the film in general had an impact on changing perceptions? Um, to that he said I'd like to think the role changed perceptions it's certainly a pivotal moment in the film as to what our world would look like without prejudice how would someone who has no idea of western culture, norms and values respond to someone like myself we spent ages having meetings prior to filming with myself, Jonathan and Scarlett just to hammer out a rough shape and arc for that scene yeah there's that, there's that sort of lovely moment where she, she compliments his hands saying he has beautiful hands Yeah, which I, yeah. I imagine came out of that, that conversation well, I, I think it's it's a really interesting part of the film because we're obviously asking questions of ourselves, like, what is she going to do? We're, we're rooting for him. We want him just to get back out of the van and go to Tesco's. Like, this, this, yeah. is, not the, this is not the right van to be in, um, regardless <laughs> of, of, of what's happening. And and then you start to realise that it's it she is disconnected from everything to do with judgment of humanity she's learning about humanity at the same time and i believe that he is the he's the turning point of the film you know as you say he absolutely is and, yeah and and it's 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 her realization of what she's doing and the effect that she's having on the world and specifically him he, he's the only one that manages to get out of it and it's the motorcycle guys that have to come and and clean it up you know i really felt like they were that, that was their main job to come and you know get rid of all evidence and unfortunately in this case you know he he was the evidence and and needed to be uh needed to be uh dealt with i'm afraid um and put in unceremoniously in a boot um yeah which uh, which which effectively leads us into the final third doesn't it? It, it, it it as we say the tone change happens as a result of of his of his work and uh well thank you so much for uh for getting back to us that's amazing well, yeah there's one one last bit because obviously i asked for his thoughts on the film because that's kind of what the show is about um and so he said um i saw the film for the first time at the london premiere i was a bag of nerves and i had my best friend roxy trying to calm me down the film is really deep in nature almost turning a mirror upon humanity and asking a lot of deep questions uh, though without holding your hand and leading you to a conclusion it sits with you and stays with you for days sometimes weeks it's a film that will stand the test of time and decades from now will still be studied culturally rather than historically i i i really agree with that and um thank you so much again for your input um yeah yeah adam thank you so much for that it's a it's, it's a it's a it's such a cool first for the show i'm really really chuffed genuinely really excited so so happy when you said that this might happen i'm just like oh my god this is great um, and, and and it's about you know and this podcast is ultimately about that about these feelings that these films can make you have and the interconnectivity that you can have with somebody else you know when i grew up and this is something that high fidelity really taught me the the side that really resonated with me but it, it's not what you're like it's it's what you like it's you know when you're first talking to people you can go through what films you talk you know 
what are the first few films that you start talking about and you can find that common ground with somebody else and you start trading oh have you seen this or oh I'll lend you that and and it's really what this podcast is supposed to be about and and Under the Skin is one of the films that we have covered that would be in that list for me if somebody says that they like Under the Skin I'm kind of a bit like okay cool that, that, all right I understand you know we understand each other and um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to have, uh, have covered it I am uh, I, I agree I concur uh, as I said <laughs> from from the outset it's um it's yet another one of those where you go, why the fuck have I been sitting on this for so mm. long? Why yeah. have I watched so much fucking Drek and just left that one on the shelf? Stupid, stupid, stupid. So there we go. And I think very, we leave, very happy. We should leave our uh, our talking about the film there with um, a definitive uh, thumbs up from me and uh, and you and um, yeah, uh, a uh, Uber Uber McCartney and. Um, and uh, thank you, and hope you guys uh, all enjoyed it. Um, love, again, love the idea of now, especially with this time, everyone having a little bit of extra time on their hands. Maybe they watched a film they weren't necessarily considering, and uh, yeah, and, and really got something well, maybe, from it. Maybe you know, maybe 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 Iskra from the start of the show might listen to this and you know reconsider, yeah, reconsider it, see it in a different light because I can I can see how watching a small portion of a film can be frustrating i mean i I personally if films are bad you know i've never really understood the the walking out of a cinema thing i've been to a few films and been surprised at some of the films i've been to where people have just walked out and i thought they were going to the toilet and they've never returned and i think sometimes you know you watch drek like hollywood drek and you go this is fucking dog shit and i know it's going to be dog shit throughout whereas i think with something like under the skin I think it poses too many questions and could go in so many different directions that I, even if I wasn't necessarily enjoying it to start with, I don't think I could have brought myself to have walked out of the cinema without first at least, you know, satiating my curiosity as to what it was all fucking about. I've, I've only ever walked out of one film, it was at the cinema, and it was Suicide Squad. Ooh. I just uh, got, I got to the final bit. Uh, it was has this bit of massive CGI blasting into the sky, and I was just like, I d- I can't do this anymore. Cannot cannot watch <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it just it was at a particular point where every single comic book film ended up with a massive CGI blast of something into the sky, and I just thought I can't do this again. Cannot do it again. No. And uh, have watched it since, and I agree with the guy that walked out of the cinema. I think it's. Uh, I've got a great tip. For- for not walking out the cinema, which is to just only watch good films. Yes, that is that's great advice. But anyway, yeah, thank you. To move on to our recommendation section, just a little quick uh, few recommendations. But we, um, I've got here that you wanted to do a warning shot, uh, which is a, an anti recommendation uh, for the Netflix uh, Lock and Key. Oh god! Oh yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that series got better, but to be honest, I'm not going to give it the chance. Um, <laughs> I I watched the first episode and it was just top to bottom one of the worst things I've seen in a long time. The it, the, the the quality of the acting, the quality of the writing, just everything about it just seemed unnatural. 
uh, and unnecessary and and just like, like a bad idea. I understand that the source material that it's drawn from is 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 excellent, and I'd had a few people recommend the series to me, but off the back of that first episode, I was like, I just I, I I don't think I'm watching the same show as you because it was just diabolical, and I was sat in a room with two other people, and we were all just looking at each other, going, "This is fucking bad. Like this is <laughs> awful." Um, but yes, but since that time, time has passed, and I've watched other better things. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to trying to think off the top of my head what I've watched most recently that was that was really shall enjoyable. I, shall I go first? You, you go first, yes. Okay, well, this this one I'm going to uh, go a little bit off-piste. I'm going to recommend an episode of a show called Ugly Delicious on mm. Netflix. It's a really, really Oh, is this from the second series? Uh, no, no, this is from the first. It's a really interesting show. Um, I, I had kind of put it on pause um, to, to, to watch it. This is episode six of the first series, and it's about fried chicken. It's a, um, a cooking show where it takes a subject and it looks at it from all different angles, looks at it historically, it looks at it its place in popular culture. It, it also doesn't... Um, it takes food and isn't snooty about it. It'll talk about fast food versions of it and it'll talk about the very highest Michelin-starred version of that food. Well, this one on fried chicken... It, it's honestly changed my outlook on my probably my favorite food i love fried chicken it's it's amazing and it was talking about it from a racial context it was talking about it from you know how it is almost a great equalizer almost all cultures have their version of of frying chicken and what it means to them and and just how it it's it it's a it's a food that everyone can have and I just had never thought about it before it's just something that I enjoy you know it's my go-to if I've got friends around or something we we, we try and get it I've made you eat fried chicken more than once um, in various states of inebriation <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, it's just one of those it, it's, it's always a gift it's never something I get tired of but I had just never known its historical context um, um, particularly in America, I'd never known, you know, how the Japanese view fried chicken and how they have sort of woven it into, you know, their culture. It's it's really amazing and really worth a watch. And it, it is almost a movie length. It's a it's over an hour episode where they go through it and um, yeah talk about you know its place in sort of commercialization about you know these authentic places that would do it and then other places that package it and and mass produce it it's really really amazing and, and really worth a watch and, and then go back and watch all the other ones of course but this one felt felt particularly special it's um yeah really Fantastic. really good <laughs> it's um Lump. It's it's a it's a great show. I mean, like as you say, just the the way that it tackles food is so different and it's so personal, um, and and the the people they bring in and I, I just love its lack of pretension, but at the same time, it's so beautifully shot and put together and and edited as well. It's a wonderful series, and uh, the reason I asked it was the second series because I believe the second series has mm. just started on Netflix as well. So I'm looking forward to uh, digging into that. Yeah, like I, a delicious I, I, meal. 
I did I did sleep on it a little bit um, because I have a kind of a strange relationship with the um, with the presenter. I'm sorry, I haven't. Um, it's a, is it David Chang, the, yes. the the main guy. I I I feel he's got a little bit of an obnoxious side to him. Yes, he has. In and and there's even a chap that he speaks to that just went. He's always right. Don't try and argue with him on anything, regardless of. Yeah, he, he's I mean, right he, he knows it. He really <laughs> leans into it. He, I mean, that's that's who he is, and I quite yeah. like he's that he's unapologetic about that. Hmm. Um, you know, he he's he's passionate, but he's he's also a bit of a dick. I mean, but you know, he's a he's a head chef. How yeah. many head chefs do we know that are lovely blokes? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, do you do you have anything? Yes, um, it's it's again slightly slightly cheesy because as as with Succession, it's on uh, Now TV and not one of the uh, the two main main ones. But um, Armando Iannucci's latest venture, um, Avenue Five. Um, my wife and I absolutely smashed through that um, with with great joy. It's great, isn't it? It's really, really good. You, you watched it. It's really, yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very thinly veiled commentary on the political state of, uh, well, I, w- I would say America, but probably the UK as well. Mm. Um, lots of his um, old collaborators involved in one way or another. Rebecca Front has a very prominent role in it. Puts on a fantastic American accent uh, that puts Hugh Laurie's to shame. Hugh Laurie really relishing the chance to flip between his native Brit accent and his sort of house, um, Dr. House American accent. Yeah. And which is great because it almost, the reaction of the people in the show when they discover he's British is probably going to be the same reaction that most American viewers will have when, yeah. when he snaps out of it for the first time in the show. But the supporting cast is wonderful. Um, and then and then you see other people like David Schneider directed an episode who you'll know from his work on the, the day to day and shows like that as well. So it's a it's a real mix of of the uh, the, the old and new, um, and yeah, it's and, it, and it's um and it's got I, I always forget the actor's name, but Jared from Silicon Valley is in it in a slightly different role, um, but e- equally fantastic. It's just like the worst like customer rep person that you could ever hope to have on a spaceship um oh what's the name of the what's josh gad oh as yeah. the as the crap billionaire yeah. who initially i thought oh he's a bit he's a bit broadly drawn i don't really like him but as as the show wears on i just fucking loved how how petulant and idiotic he was yeah if he's really going in on trump quite a bit i think it, there's there's a real he's underlying... like a, he's like a fusion of trump and elon musk and yeah you know, he's he's an absolute fusion of all these of all these sort of slightly petulant billionaires that are out there. He's, he's entitlement personified, isn't he? Like white white privilege, yeah, you know, all all wrapped into one. He's amazing, and uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, just I, it's it, it's full of delicious lions, and it's just full of some really wonderful grisly moments. There's there's an there's a a moment involving an airlock, which is just such a fantastic metaphor it's mm. wonderful it is it is very good yeah um it's the yeah, it's nice. the it's the turkey it's the turkey's voting for thanksgiving moment perfect <laughs> um right so um well thank you very much uh dan for um for joining my pleasure once again, once again. my remote and, um, buddy and um my remote friend uh, living in a little window on my computer um <laughs> 
and I hope everyone enjoyed enjoyed the show. Um, let us know uh, what you thought, uh, whether you've watched the film since, um, and uh, and g- give us your input. Um, we will let you know um, what the next film is on Twitter. I can be found on there, and on Instagram also at alex 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 that's alex three times without the e and dan can be found at mr pointy head mr pointy head and um yeah as always thank you so much for joining us and all that remains is for us to say bye bye to you so bye bye well the one thing remains to be saying said um and it was just that do you have any inklings of what your next film choice might be hmm no i don't because I looked on Amazon Prime and there's 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 definitely been an influx of quality titles. So yeah. we'd obviously welcome some recommendations from the the readers. Um, but there's there's one film I'm not sure you've seen that I'm quite curious to get your your read on, and yeah. that's Midsummer. Ooh, no, I haven't seen that. Midsummer is on Amazon Prime now. Okay, cool. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not even sure if I could watch it again. <laughs> oh well, we have to do it's, it now, don't but, we? But it's it's brilliant. Uh, uh, I think I think it's brilliant. But I'd really love to get. I know, which is obviously a spoiler if we do cover it. But um, I'd, re- I'd well, one, I'd love to know what my second viewing and what my read of it is on the second viewing. But um, knowing that you're not necessarily the biggest um, consumer of the horror. Mm genre yeah i have to be i have to it's like a lighthouse i have to be looking directly at wanting to see horror and then i love it and then i'll move away from it for ages and look at other stuff and and won't even consider horror and then i'll be back in and i'll want to do it and i'm probably pretty much up for it so i think this was a good way of doing the podcast i think it worked quite well so let's do it let's do um let's do midsummer all right, let's 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 go. Confirmed, for it. confirmed, Fuck. live. Let's, Fucking uh... hell! <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you uh, for uh, for tying me into watching that. <laughs> I thought I thought if I could get it on record, then yeah, you couldn't yeah, I... you couldn't sort of you couldn't weasel out of it. I can't back out of it now, can I? Um, no. Brilliant. Well, that that's it. Next episode is Midsummer. Look for that coming out very soon uh, we awesome. will um, let everybody else know and uh, get their input in on it as well and uh, yeah thank you very much everyone bye bye now bye bye see ya <laughs>